y'all blessing us tonight. Mark chapter 6, let's go to verse, verses 53 to 56, 53 to 56. That'll be the focus of our attention tonight. And you can read it in whatever translation you have. I'm reading from the New King James. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him, ran through the whole surrounding region, and began carrying about on beds those who were sick to whatever, wherever they heard he was. Wherever he entered into the villages, cities, uh, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. The word of God for the people of God. And somebody say, thanks be to God. You may receive your seats. Uh, tonight, we're, again, we've been focusing on handling life's challenges. And it's interesting, this is the 18th iteration of this teaching. We've been working through the book of Mark here lately. It's interesting when we look at this particular passage, this is a passage that is often run over. It is not one of the favorite pericopes. It doesn't really tell a particular story about a particular incident. It doesn't tell a story about one specific thing that happens. So it doesn't um, package itself in a nice, neat way in which you could just jump on it and say, I like this, let's go with it. Instead, it tells a curious story which tells a lot about Jesus and a lot about those that came to Jesus. And by the time I get finished tonight, I may offend some of your sensibilities, and I say that up front so that if you do get offended, you'll feel better when you leave because you knew you were going to be offended, so you were able to brace yourself. Because this is an interesting text. I find this interesting because this text shows uh, that Jesus, after he boards the boat with them, after they've had their night of terror, their night of roughness, their difficult night, it, the, the text says something which is in complete contradistinction to what the previous verse says about the disciples. The previous verse says that one of the reasons why the disciples didn't understand Jesus walking on the water is because they did not understand. The first thing this text says is they recognized. We go from a group of people who are in the immediate contact with Jesus, lacking understanding, to a group of people who stand from a distance and recognize him immediately. And it's no accident that Mark puts this here, particularly after the near faithlessness of those persons who were close to him, because Mark wants to let everybody realize that something is going on that the disciples are not quite cognizant of, but people on the outside see it and they want to attach themselves to it. They see it and they know that something good can come of it and he wants us to realize that even those up close don't get it. Nothing more frustrating than people you're close to not understanding you. Nothing more frustrating, let me, let me talk to anybody married in here. Uh, let me, nothing more frustrating than your mate not getting what you're saying. How long do I need to be with you for you to get this? Look like we ought to be thinking somewhat alike by now. 
It makes no sense. I, I can't understand we can't get closer than this. Here they are, they are next to Jesus, but they don't understand Jesus. They're right up close to him, they don't understand who he is, and Jesus is walking around like, Lord, were there 12 better we could have found? That might not have been what he said, but he at least thought that about one of them. Not just kidding. Here Jesus gives us some indications about who he is and who he is to those around him. And the first thing I want you to catch hold of that I think Jesus wants us to realize is that there ought to be some reasonable recognition. Reasonable recognition. Not that they know him intimately or closely, but there's been enough said and done uh, before them that they ought to know him by his miracles. They ought to know him by his mercy. They ought to know him by how he has managed crowds and managed people and managed situations. There ought to be some reasonable recognition. Verse 54 says, and when he came out of the boat, it didn't take him any time at all. Immediately, the people recognized him. And I want to tell believers this, one of the things you've got to be able to do is you ought to be able to recognize the move of God. You ought to be able to look at a situation and say, God's in that right there. I recognize the spirit of God there. I see God moving in that. It's terrible for a believer to see God moving by God's spirit and not recognize God in that thing. There ought to be some reasonable recognition. You ought to be able to see transformation of lives and God doing miracles and God doing things and say, God's in that. Not, not something unreasonable, not, 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 not something that you couldn't get if you weren't really up close or, or you didn't have some kind of intimate contact, but, but there ought to be some reasonableness in you to see the handiwork of God. And sometimes even in your own life, you don't even look at what God is doing for you with reasonableness. Let me go it again. See, sometimes you fail to praise God for what God does for you. And the reason you fail to praise God for what God does is because you don't recognize that it's God. So you forget, you, you know, I, um, I got a chance to hear Maria Shriver for a few moments this morning on the, on the Today Show. And she was talking about spending the last few months in mindfulness. And she was talking about how, how it was that she had to really deal with herself and process what was going on in her own life. She couldn't appreciate what was going on in her own life at that point without being still enough to see the goodness. Okay, y'all didn't get that one. Hoda Coffee just come back from maternity leave. She just adopted a baby and they gave her maternity leave as she introduced the baby into her life. And Hoda said she got to get excited about things that she forgot to be excited about. Through the eyes of the kids, she got to be excited. The one of the children said, look mommy, the stairs go up on their own. And Hoda said, it was the first time she actually paid attention. You're right, the stairs move on their own. Anybody with bad knees that needs to take stairs should get excited when they see the stairs go up on their own. Huh, glory. There's 30 more steps I don't have to take. Now, you, we lose 
the recognition of blessings because we start taking little things for nothing. The disciples were right there. Jesus just fed 5,000 folk with two, two little and five little. 5,000? Who? I couldn't feed them deacons with that little bit of food. It's, it's amazing how you could see a miracle. Okay, y'all missed that. I know it went over your head. Some of y'all got jobs in your past that you weren't qualified for. Other folk needed big degrees and you walk right in, no degree at all. Got the same money and the same job title. Some folk, you, you forget how God has fed you in the past. You forget when your, your ends didn't meet, God jumped in the middle and held things together anyway. See, you forget the healings that God has performed for you. When you thought you weren't going to make it, how God made a way anyway. You, you fail to remember the times when you thought everything was over, but instead, God said, it ain't over till I say it's over. There ought to be some reasonable recognition of God in a situation. They, they had reasonable recognition, but then, then it's interesting because those that recognized what God was doing had a regional response. A regional response. Now, now that might not jump off the page at you, and I hope it doesn't because I'm really trying to go somewhere. Look, verse 55 says, they ran through that whole surrounding region, regional response, and began carrying about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. Stop right there. Folk who were well went to get folk who were unwell and get them to Jesus. Do me a favor, don't be mean when you do this. But look at the person there, you say, neighbor, when's the last time you brought someone to Jesus? Folk that were well went to get the unwell to bring, see, the sick folk, there's nothing in the text that said the sick folk got up and, and got Uber. They didn't call Lyft. They didn't call somebody up with a taxi. They didn't say, do you have a fast moving camel that you can get me over to Jesus because I got to get myself there? No, well folk went to find sick folk to get them to Jesus. Y'all, I see, went right over your head. I'm trying to bless you. See, the, the problem with church folk is church folk think they have done their duty when they've gone to church. I'm saved. You better get yours for yourself. I got mine, you get yours. Let me, let me help you right here. The biggest misconception about salvation and Christianity is that people believe that giving their life to Christ is the be all and end all of salvation. It's not. 
it's the beginning of your walk. And a part of that walk has to be to get unwell folk to Jesus. They didn't just, see, now some of us, we'll, we'll tell folk about the Lord that are close to us. But they went throughout the region. I told someone the other day, I said, you know, if we, if we limit ourselves to Southeast Connecticut, to, 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 to New London, we're never going to be what God wants us to be. But if we see ourselves regionally, see, if we see ourselves regionally, we, we think that we ought to be all the way to Providence and all the way over to Hartford and all the way down to New Haven if we see ourselves regionally. But if we only see ourselves locally, the local situation ain't never going to be what we want it to be because we got to see beyond. They thought, they thought it was their duty. They went to run it. Now notice now, since they were well, they could have run to see Jesus for themselves. Look, I, I feel good, so I'm going to get me a front row seat. I ain't going to miss this. I'm going to hear this over myself. I'm like, you know, my favorite preachers in town. I'm going to get my seat up front. You can come to church if you want to. There might be some seats in the back by the time you arrive because you're always late, but I'm going to be there. The reality is that the well folk, instead of running toward Jesus, ran toward the unwell. Those that were healthy ran to the unhealthy. Those that were whole ran to the unwhole. Those that had limbs that worked ran towards those that did not have limbs to work. Now that's, that's counterintuitive for most of us because most of us come from the, the, the fraternity of me, myself, and I. It's just me, myself, and I. Do, do, do. Okay, some of y'all not hip-hop fans. You have to realize that they had a regional response. And, and what's really, what really blow your mind is, listen, they had no internet. There was no ABC, NBC, or CBS nightly news on. They had no Instagram. There wasn't no Twitter page. They, they, were, they had buzz happening by word-of-mouth network. Word of mouth network, quick, fast, and in a hurry, the word got out in the whole region. Like a modern day rock star, folks kept running to see Jesus. It attracted a huge crowd. He draws the sick to him. They, they, now notice now, if word doesn't get out, even though Jesus has healing available, they can't get to healing if they don't get the word that healing is available. They can't get to deliverance if somebody don't deliver them the word that deliverance is available. They can't get to a breakthrough if someone doesn't bring them a breakthrough communication that God is blessing folk right now. So, 
and, and, and when they get out there to them, they realize you can't make it on your own. I realize you can't get to church yourself. You know, I'm, we, we, right now we're looking for new drivers for the van. It's crazy. We pay folk to drive the van. It's hard as anything to find somebody to drive the van to take somebody and go pick someone up to bring them to see Jesus. Why should we be begging? Everybody should be volunteering. I'll get my CDL license, Bishop, because I need to have somebody get here to see Jesus. I need somebody to be in a place to get deliverance. You got a vehicle? I'm going to pick them up because they went and got carts and wheelbarrows and everything else they could and they not only bought them they carried them I got something else I got to do Bishop what's more important than getting people to Jesus and notice, notice what text says wherever he was that's where they went. Y'all didn't even see all that in this text. Y'all looking at me like, dog, bitch, man. I didn't know where you were going tonight. No, I'm preaching, y'all. Stay with me. Wherever he was, that's where they went. Teach it, boss. Thank you. I'm trying. Wherever it didn't matter, we're getting to where Jesus is. We sing a song when I was a little boy. I don't know if you know this one, doc. But we sing what well, everybody ought to know who Jesus is. Now let me see if you got this. Oh Lord, help him, Jesus. Where's Robin A at? Robin A, you praying for this man? Oh Lord. When I was a little boy, they said, everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know who Jesus is. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know. I guess Robin is praying. Who Jesus is. Thank you. Listen. It, it, it's something because they made the journey struggling, striving, trying to get to be in the presence of Jesus with dogged determination. They wanted to get to where Jesus was. And I believe, I truly believe, for some of them, for the first time in their life, they had hope. Let me let y'all miss that. It went right over your head. See, see, you you don't realize the power of hope. Because there's nothing like feeling hopeless. There's nothing like feeling hopeless. And, and for the first time, the, the power of hope was driving them. So, so I can only imagine the pain that they were going through. You, you're bumping me around. My, my back been hurting for years. But, but, but don't stop. Because I want to get there. Uh, Y'all might have seen this commercial been on TV recently. Uh, the woman trying to go to get her discount. Don't mess with my discount. is something that when you think with anticipation about it 
that makes you forget about stuff that may be bugging you. There's a hope that comes with worship. There's a hope that comes with being in the presence of the Lord. There's a hope that comes with knowing Jesus for yourself that allows you to push through no matter what you're going through. And next week is going to be better because I've got a little more Jesus. See, see, this. I need just a little more Jesus. That there's nothing like having a little more Jesus. And the song says, to help me along the way. Hope was in them. It sprang afresh. It was renewed in them. Uh, you, you, may, you may look at it this way. Look, look at the text is found also in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14, if you look there, verse 34 through 36 has the same story. And, and, and just look at it real quick. Here, here's what it says. Uh, when they had crossed over, they came to the land of the Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all that surrounding region. Notice it says, they sent out. The other one just simply says, they went out. He says, they sent out to all the region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched it were made perfectly well. They sent out. You know, sometimes, and, and that's why I'm making my appeal tonight, sometimes folk need to know when it's time to go. Look at somebody now and say, neighbor, it's time to bust the move. Somebody needs to know about Jesus. I, I, I want to, let's, let's pull this together here because if, if I'm right, if I'm right, and I know I am, that reasonable recognition went into a, re, a regional response, but finally it gets into a righteous relief. And here's where I want to spend the bulk of my time a righteous relief. Did, did y'all see that text? Verse 56. Wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplace. The marketplace was the main meeting area. It was the center of town. It was the main place. It was called the marketplace because, you know, wherever people gather, uh, merchants are going to also go there because they can sell their wares there. So then it became known as the marketplace, but that's the after effect of a gathering place where people come to. They came to that center of town. Jesus went right up into the middle of the city, and when he was there, they brought them to him in the marketplace and they begged that they might just touch the hem of his garment my mama used to sing that song if I could but touch the hem of his garment I wish I had her voice right to sing it right now if I could just touch some part of his robe I know I'll be healed my sins all forgiven if I could but touch him I know I'll be made whole. When mama started singing that at the end of her revival, you knew she was going to lay hands. 
she, you knew she was getting she was about to go in now those of you that remember my mama you know what I'm talking about my mama was uh, really light skinned she looked, she looked white to be honest she had red hair and freckles now the only reason we got some melanin in us because my daddy is dark when I was young I had red hair you wouldn't know that now I'm real light and when she would start singing that and the anointing would start rolling up in her she would turn red her face would get flushed and the anointing would just come all over her and she'd go to laying hands and, and praying and the healing and deliverance would happen and I believe that that apostolic anointing is in the earth realm today God is still healing, still delivering. Now, now notice, if you will, they wanted to touch his garment. If you write this down, if you haven't written it down before, write it down now, Numbers chapter 15, verse 37 to 41. They want to touch his garment. Numbers, Numbers 15 tells us the peculiarity of that garment. Again, it says there that, again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel. Tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners and you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments that the Lord and, and to do them and that you may not follow the hollow tree to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined and that you may remember and to do all my commandments and be holy for your God. Now, here, here it is. They wanted to just touch that, that distinctive, see, um, I have on one on my, my, my bag, I was walking around the bag the other day and uh, I had my bag and it has an eagle on it. And so the guy asked me, he said, what does that eagle mean to you? Why do you have the eagle on there? And it has an eagle head on there. And then eagle is a symbol that I use all the time. It's one of my favorite symbols. I have one in my office. I have several in my office at home. It's my, it's my symbol because it's that majestic bird that can fly above stuff. And every now and then I look down at my little eagle and it reminds me that I don't have to fly in it, I can fly above it. I'll go back to symbols sometime and I'll share some stuff with you. That's not all that means. But, but so, so what, what God did for them was that, look, I put this on you so that you can remember I'm the one commanding you. You're not commanding yourself. Look at somebody and I say, neighbor, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Jesus, they want to touch the distinctive in him. That they, they want to touch the hem of his garment. Deuteronomy 22 and 12 says, you shall make tassels on the four corners of the clothing with which you cover yourself. And, and I don't know if it's <clears throat> just that they realize that that's that distinctive part of them and the part of their heritage and the part of their relationship with God, or, or maybe, just maybe, they got clued in about a previous miracle. That, that miracle recorded in Mark chapter five, 
the woman with the issue of blood, if you go write it down, go back and read it, Mark 5, 25 through 34. I'm not going to ask you to read it now, but in Mark 5, verse 27, just verse 27 says, When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Let me tell you something. What, what you have to realize, maybe they heard about her faith touching his garment and her healing as a result of it and maybe they said if I can't get him to lay his hand on me if I could just get in proximity to the man and just touch him what's in him will touch me I don't have to get him. I don't have to get him to lay hands on me. We don't have to have a personal conversation. I don't need to go off into a side room. I don't need to have a miracle. I don't need him to talk. But all the Indian do is just touch him. And something is going to happen. I just want to get close enough to him to touch the very border of his garment. Jesus, Jesus walking through. I just want to get close enough so that I can grab a hold of him. Because if I get a hold of Jesus, something is going to happen. Now, now notice if you will, notice if you will. This is faith in action. No, they, they're not, they're not, they're not the same kind of faith we teach y'all about all that no no they they don't know nothing about all the scriptures y'all know about only thing they know is that there's power in Jesus they know there's power in him and they know that I can access that power by just grabbing hold and if I could just touch it Something's going to break free. Something's going to cut loose. It, I, I, I don't even have to tell him what my sickness is. I don't have to name it. I don't have to say, would you pray for this today? No, all I have to do is touch him. And when I touch him, what's in him is going to touch me. Because I heard him say, virtue left his body. The last time somebody touched him in faith, virtue left him. Wait a minute, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. When, 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 when the woman with the issue of blood touched him in Mark 5, they said, Lord, everybody's touching me. Everybody said, why are you asking who touched me? Because that woman touched me in faith and drew from me. Now everybody can touch and be close, but if you're not touching him to get something from him, you can be in his presence and never feel his Power. That's why some folk will come to church in the same way and leave the same way. Because you can be in his presence and never get a hold of his power. Some folk come to church and hear the song, they hear the word preached and the prayers prayed. And somebody even pray with them and they never feel the anointing because you can be in his presence and not get a hold of his power. If you want to get a hold of his power, you need to bring something to access power with you. Ah, they, they were in his presence 
and, and, she, and she touched him, she touched him, and she touched him. And, and it's interesting, it's interesting, that there's something else in here, y'all. There's something real, real different in here, because if you look back at verse 56, there's another issue there. I might have missed that issue. Y'all see it yet? It's in verse 56. It'll mess you up. Verse 56 got another issue. He says, as many as touched him were made well. Huh? As many as touched him were made well. Um, you see, righteous relief is not selective. As many as touched him were made well. I told him to make somebody mad today. Notice, you close now. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. As many as touched him were made well. There's no selection process. I'm only healing eyes today. I'm only healing legs today. I'm only healing high blood pressure today. I'm only healing hips today. I'm doing knees tomorrow. Now, wait a minute now, watch out, watch out, stay with me a minute. I'm only doing good looking folk today. Ugly folk need not touch. I'm only doing white folk today. Black folk need not touch. I'm only doing Americans today. Immigrants need not touch. I'm, I'm going to put a border up so you can't get over here because I'm not doing Mexicans today. Well, no, no, no. Everybody that touched him. Oh, see, I, 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 everybody. It, it, and what really going to mess somebody up? It does not even state what kind of where or place they were in in their relationship with God. It doesn't say they were real saved. They didn't say they, they didn't have the Holy Ghost. They hadn't come yet. They weren't definitely weren't speaking in tongues. It doesn't say how deep they were. It doesn't say if they were gay or straight. It doesn't say if they were up or down. Only thing it says is everybody that touched him. I'm just preaching the Bible. It didn't say if they had AIDS or they had high blood pressure. Everybody that touched him. See, if we're going to be like Jesus, then we can't pick and choose who we're going to have compassion on. Because his compassion faileth not. And God has compassion. You know what? 
God loves the people you hate. some Christians is that we want to pick the folk that God going to save. So the ones that look like us are the first ones we talk to. But God is no respect to person. Look, poor is poor. If somebody hungry, they hungry. I don't care what they look like. The church, in order to model Jesus, ought to have the same level of compassion for poverty, no matter how it's packaged. Injustice is injustice, no matter what people, you see, your problem is, you want to decide who God going to save. Now, as I hurry to a close, I, I, done, I done talked all the shout out you. See, watch this, watch this. What he does is he looks at something different than what you look at. The determining factor was singular. Singular. Wasn't life, wasn't anything else, wasn't how they were with the Lord at the time. The determining factor was faith. Now I see that's going to mess somebody up. You let me chew the cud on that for a moment. The, 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 the reason I say that is that the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. He's not going to force himself on anyone. And if I can say that without question about the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> I can say that about the blessings of Jesus. I'm not going to make you be blessed if you don't want it. But if you want a blessing, then I'm going to bless you. Okay. Let me, let me do this. Let me do this. Um, some of y'all parents in here, y'all know what I'm talking about when I say this. You know what I'm talking about when I say this. Uh, your friends may have friends that you don't like. And so you might distance yourself from them when they with them other folk. But when your children brought friends home you didn't like, most times all you did was say, hey. But if they were over your house at dinner time, you just went on and fed them because they were hanging with your, with your child. See? God does not simply look from glory to say, I'm only feeding righteous folks today. Because if that's what he did, all of us would be skinny.
I'm, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. There's something in here that's interesting. Because what Mark's trying to teach us a lesson about is this. That when God freed someone from their disease, he was freeing them from the enslavement of it. Therefore, liberating them into a new life. Stay with me. Look at the metaphor. If that individual was so captive by their disease that they needed to be carried, they were slave to it. So that when they were freed from it, they were released from their captivity. Stay, stay with me. And, and the metaphor that he's lifting for us in here, Mark saying, look, when God through Jesus was healing folk, what he was doing was setting the captive free. And what real good church religion and Christianity ought to be about is setting captives free. This is it. This is it. It, it. it also proves one other thing. Because, see, if you notice in this text what's not here, you know what's not here? Anybody see what's not here, what's missing? Ain't no sermon. They having church, but ain't nobody preaching. Because sometimes the best sermon is the one that's lived in action. Whew. See, don't tell me you love the homeless, but you won't want to put nobody up in the house. Don't tell me you care about the poor and the hungry, but you don't want to feed nobody. Don't tell me you care about somebody that doesn't have clothes, but you don't want to clothe them. Don't tell me you care about somebody in prison, but you don't want to visit them. You see, sometimes the best sermon is not in the words that come out of our mouth, but in the demonstration that comes from our lives. And that's when God gets the greatest glory, when you and I demonstrate what setting the captive free is all about. And he whom the son of man has set free will be free indeed somebody give God a praise tonight somebody give God a praise tonight hallelujah I love you all with the love of the Lord thank you Jesus Y'all going to have to think about that one for a minute. I love you.